Welcome to Strap On Your Boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode, I have with me an entrepreneur, author, and systems lover, David Jennings. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. And this is a cool episode because we're going to talk to entrepreneurs who are listening or watching on how to break free of the business shackles. So we can kind of like imagine like a gladiator stuck in this chains underneath the arena. Everyone's cheering and because he's so good, like Maximus, right? But he's got to break free and, and get loose and, and get rid of this uh, notoriety he has. So let's jump into how you create time for yourself and uh, how you can kind of get past that. Like what, what got you into that in the first place? I'm curious. Like yes. why, why systems lover and why, why breaking free? What's... Look, I've, I've always had a, a love for systems. I, I used to be involved in the stock market education space and we'd design trading systems. And that was all about defining the rules on how to get a certain outcome. And then I was also a part owner in a rock and roll clothing music store that we franchised. We we're actually modeling off Hot Topic, bringing it out here to Australia. And quite a few of the businesses that I was involved in had systems at the core of it. And then for some strange reason, I got to my last business and I didn't apply systems. I just thought, oh, this business is different. And I ran in that business probably for a good 10 years, I would say too long until I kind of went, hang on, I've done systems before. Why aren't I doing it here? And and when we found out we were pregnant, that was a big part of the turning point. <laughs> Interesting. Rock and roll, uh, hot topic. I mean, that's uh, that store is, has got a lot of memories for me over here, man, between the the cool t-shirts and all the cool knickknacks you can buy. So I'm curious about something. I was reading on your site about how you fired yourself, hired a CEO and then moved to the beach. So, and tripled your bottom line. Now I want to dive into this for a, a moment about something specific. A lot of people out there who are listening to this are entrepreneurs who can't fire themselves and they can't hire a CEO because they don't have the funding for that. So what's your advice to someone who wants to do what you did, but can't? Well, there's a few things that they'll need to do first. And it it goes straight off the back of your book and the work that you do, which is you have to identify your target audience. You have to get traction. You have to get product to market fit. You have to understand their problems. And then you need to find a solution and be able to deliver that. A lot of that has to happen up front. And that's the grinded out bit that has to happen then that transition when we start to think about how do we build the team around us and grow this beyond us um you might not go out and hire a ceo that you can just plug straight in and they're going to want six figures Uh, you can oftentimes bring someone on board and then recruit and groom them into that position so that's oftentimes especially if you start up if you're low on cash and um, that's the way that you might head because it might just start off with building team members around you who can start to take areas of responsibility from you to free you up to work on only the tasks you can work on. Right. Now, you mentioned team members a couple of times, and that's another topic of concern for a lot of entrepreneurs who can't afford to hire people, right? Because you, yeah. we, have to, we, we have to admit, you and I have to admit this right now for everybody listening or watching is that we're one of the fortunate entrepreneurs. We're the ones that, that were able to grind through our business and get to a level where we could hire people. But most people can't. And not only that, mm. most people are afraid to give up the control for the things that they're so good at. So how do you navigate yeah. that? 
It's good. It's almost like we're going uh, a little bit deeper and deeper into this idea that firstly, maybe the first assistant you get is a virtual assistant based out of an emerging economy who can help you with administrative tasks just to give you enough space. Maybe it starts off as part-time or casual work or you go to Upwork or freelancer to get, you have to build up the muscle of being able to delegate work and do it in a way that maybe doesn't tip you over the edge as far as financial. So, uh, but so let's let's dig into that for a second because this is this is important. Give me an example of what you would delegate to someone part time on freelancer to help you as a virtual assistant. Name name like three or four things that they could do for you. Yeah, so it's going to depend on the business, uh, depending on what's taking up your time. But maybe it's something to do with updating the website, getting some graphics done, handling some of your social media. Maybe once you get someone on, you know, more frequent, maybe it's just keeping an eye on your inbox. Or maybe it's something to do with the administrative setup of a project. You know, maybe you need to collect a certain amount of data from the client and get them to fill out a questionnaire and send them a certain email template There's a range of things that go on inside your business and you're really looking for the pieces where you're not bringing any special magic. Maybe your special magic is the delivery of the product or service, or maybe your magic is in the sales process. Or as the business owner, think about what what are the pieces where you just go, I don't bring anything special when I issue out an invoice. I just log into MYOB and I hit send and I press this button and that button. You're not doing any magic. You might be able to find someone to kind of do that type of task. So let me ask you, because everything you just mentioned um, comes with a level of trust. I'm giving somebody your inbox password, for example. I mean, how do you, and, and giving someone access to maybe some crucial data, how do you get past that level of trust when you, these people you're hiring are in different countries you don't know who they are, yeah. you know, their reputation and their reviews might say they're great, but you don't know who they are. And so how do you get past that level of trust? Uh, in any relationship, how do you get past that level of trust? Like if you've got a significant other, um, you know, a, a wife or a husband, uh, you don't just meet them the first time and say, here are the keys to my house and my car and all right, we're right to go. Like you start off dating, you give them a couple of little tasks, you get a feel for how you work. Like it's exactly the same. I think as long as someone remembers that if your business only depends on you and you're never going to move past that, you're not really building a business. It is a job. You're making it so dependent on you. So at some point you have to find a way to build team around you or it will be for you forever. And and that's okay. You just have to understand if that's the path that you're headed. But if you are looking to build a team, if you want to build something that grows beyond you, you have to find this. And there are great people out there. There really are. Like there are people that live in countries overseas that I would trust just as much as someone down the end of my street. And it it just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of trust, little projects. And the more you do it, you can also find ways to limit the downside as well as far as what you're sharing. Don't don't give them the keys to the car first up. Right. So maybe give them like an alternate email, maybe give them alternate Google Doc Drive or whatever. I mean, something that I've done for the people that I've been hiring over the years is maybe you can tell me this is something you do too, is I prepare kind of like a workflow document or like some sort of like 
kind of holy grail of tactics and strategies that I implement in my current offerings and say, here's what you follow. Here's the format. Here's, here's what you look yeah. for. Here are the answers you can give people and things like that. So is it more like yeah. building a team? Is that like, is it preparation to give them the guidelines really is what it is? There's definitely, that's a, depending on where you are. Like if we're talking about that solo entrepreneur who's just getting started and they're thinking about how do I capture what it is that I'm doing, then how do I pass it out? The first thing that you want to start thinking about is just record lots of little videos of you doing things inside your business because that becomes a great starting point for a virtual assistant to come in behind you, watch that video, ask questions, maybe make a little checklist off the back of that. And then as they learn that process, they might take pieces over and you go, oh, great. Well, you executed that really well. Okay, you can now take this over. Uh, But one of the key things, and I talk about it in my book, Systemology, the first step to answer the question, well, what do you systemize? is to identify um, the primary target audience, the primary product or service, and then just map the linear journey that the client and the prospect goes through from grabbing their attention, selling them, onboarding, delivering the product or service and getting them to come back. If you match that for one person, one target audience, and use that as your starting point, your focal point for what it is that you're going to try and systemize and record videos around and over time, your administration assistant might create documentation. That ends up being a huge win. Yeah, I've done a lot of uh, screen shares that I record and then they become tutorials, you know. And so is that kind of what you're talking about? Like doing like a video screen share where you're talking over top of the screen and then you just show people kind of what you're working on and how to how you work? Yeah, and that's a great starting point. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, some people might want to write out some bullet point checkpoints before they get started. Some people are happy to just record it. I always just think for me personally, uh, the easiest way is just for me to record me doing the thing when I'm doing it, no matter how bad it is, no matter if I make mistakes, warts and all, I don't edit it afterwards. I just record it once and I go, that's the worst it's ever going to be. <laughs> and do better, do better than this. That's right. So, and, and that's okay because I think where a lot of people go wrong is they think about systems and processes and they think, oh, McDonald's, that's a systemized business. And they think about the way that McDonald's has prepared their systems and how much detail it goes into. And they can take a 15-year-old kid off the street and he knows how to flip hamburgers but your business is different. They've been doing it for 60 years. You're just getting started. You're not hiring 15-year-old kids off the street. Your business is very different. So you, you also systemize in a very different way. And just getting started is, is the biggest key. Yeah, and it seems like systemization. I mean, first of all, you're an expert in that. Your book is about systemization. But you, on your site, I noticed that a lot of people fail at it. And you you mentioned there's some myths to business processes. I'd like to hear a couple of them off the top of your head as to why people fail. Yeah. Oftentimes the business owner um, isn't a systems person. That founder, it's oftentimes the person listening to this, that startup person, they might not see themselves as a systems person. And, um, they carry this baggage in their head of things like, oh, I've tried that before and it doesn't work, or I'm going to have to create hundreds of systems. And the reality is, you know, it's the 80-20. We identify a handful of systems that really move the needle. They worry that 
creating systems might remove the creativity in their business. They worry they're going to need some fancy software. There's a lot of this stuff that just bubbles up in their head and it comes more from uh, them not seeing themselves as a systems person or not being a, a systems person. And therefore they just go, no, nah, this is not right for me or I don't have time or it's not worth it or I'll leave it on my to-do list and I'll get to it someday, one day, but that never day, that, that day never comes. So um, it, it's really about trying to challenge those and challenge the picture in your head of what you think a system is. A system could be just like you were saying, Jason, a simple screen recording video that shows you logging into MYOB, issuing out an invoice and making sure that it was sent. And it might be a three minute video. It might have stumbles and ums and ahs, and that might be okay. And then off the back of that, someone, maybe you, maybe your new virtual assistant might create a checklist. And then next time, if that invoice needs to be issued out, you've got your assistant who does it. And then there's a cumulative effect. The more little tasks they start taking off your plate, the, the more time you start saving. And it starts to really build after that. So it sounds like it's a progression. It's a first you start, like you said, small tasks that you feel comfortable with. Then you rip the Band-Aid off eventually and give them like larger tasks where they're now they're really managing a lot of the things that you are managing, which frees you up to our final point here of scaling your business. Now, when it comes to scaling your business, a lot of entrepreneurs don't even get the chance to do that, right? So for the for the, the, the small few here that might get lucky enough to do that, what are the most important things to do in order to scale your business? Like what should you prepare for? What do you have to mm. focus on? You know, how can you almost ensure that it happens correctly? Like those types of things. A big part of it comes down to the culture that you start building early on. Like the business owner is the seed for the culture that it's going to grow into and the team that you start hiring and the way that you train them and what you get your team to think about and look for is so important. So if you can cultivate this idea of systems and processes early, if you can have team members that by default, they look for, do we have a system for that? And if they don't, they help to create it or record a video or get you to record a video that then starts to build a knowledge base. Now that knowledge base makes it infinitely easier for you to scale as new team members come on board. The default answer is, oh, check the system, see if we have that. And by learning the system, that doesn't mean that everything happens magically, flawlessly every single time. But what it does mean is that a new team member can watch that training and they can learn 80% of what they need to learn. And then when they meet with this, you know, the team leader or their colleague, they only have to ask them about the 20%. Right. They don't have to go through the 80% and it just makes onboarding and growing and scaling so much, so much more efficient. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds great. I love that. It's, it's definitely in my experience, culture and training and giving people kind of handing to them, here's what we've done here's how we do things and here's what we're looking for people to do in our organization. So that's great. David, this is awesome. Where can people find more about your book or your, what you yeah. do, any websites or anything, any offerings you, you have for people? Yeah, look, probably best thing to do, like the methodologies outlined in my book, Systemology, that's over on Amazon. You can get yourself an Audible. If you're listening to this, you're probably an audio person. So check yeah. out the Audible version. Michael Gerber happens to do the forward for the book. So that's nice to hear him start out the book. Nice. Um, and, and you can also check out systemology.com if you want to find out a little bit more. But I always say the book, the book's the best place to start. 
Absolutely. It always is, man. It's, it's, it's always uh, the guiding force behind what we know, right? Awesome. 100%. Pleasure having you, man. This is awesome. And as always, leave comments and we will see you in next week's episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.